great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This week I have stand-up comedian Chris Cope. Chris, what's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, chilling in the panhandle of Florida. My cradle. Where are, where are you now? In Florida? Yeah, I'm in Tallahassee. I'm actually in the town that I was born in. Yeah, and uh, what are you doing? Well, you're originally from Florida, but you live in L.A., right? That is correct. Yeah, I live in Los Angeles right now. I grew up in Florida, spent about 29 years there, and then I moved to L.A. about four years ago. How, um, all right, so let's start with this. How was it living in Florida or growing up in Florida? Um, I mean, it's funny because people have this weird, crazy conception of Florida just being, you know, a bit out of hand. But for me, it was really normal, you know? I had a <laughs> normal in the sense of like in any American family. I grew up in a divorced family. Um, you know, in Florida, it was fun. It's hot as shit, but other than that, there's tons of stuff to do and always unique people. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, how did you get into stand-up comedy? Dude, I didn't want to do anything else. <laughs> I mean, I'm being 100% on that. Like, I would read joke books when I was a kid in elementary school. Like, it, being a comedian and being funny has been my primary focus since I understood what those two things were. Yeah. You know? So, it's, <laughs> it's when people ask me how long I'm like, man, since I can remember, because, you know, I never want to do anything else. It's... Nothing else gives you a rush. Like yeah. being on stage and making strangers laugh. Yeah, it must be a, must be a great feeling. That's actually one of my. Uh, I've repeated the story to other podcasts. That's one of my um, goals that I want to try stand up eventually. Man, I mean, it, and it's not really like it's not like climbing Everest. It's just being calm enough to be present in the moment on stage and just try to be, you know, not try to be funny, yeah. but if you're prepared and what you take up there. You know, I think if you're genuine with what you're doing, people laugh. They want, you know, I think the audience wants to have fun. Yeah. The comic has more fun, you know? And it gives, like you said, it gives you a rush, too. Yeah, are you kidding? Yeah. I, I mean, that's why I smoke a lot of weed, because after shows, I just want to calm down. <laughs> you know, because my, my adrenaline's pumping through my chest. Yeah. How do, um... How, all right, uh, tell us about your first time on stage. First time on stage, like on stage stage or uh, at a comedy club? Which one would you rather? Uh, first time doing stand-up. Okay. Uh, it was at an open mic in Gainesville, and I had zero clue what to do. I just went up and started making fun of myself just because I knew that was the one person that wasn't going to punch me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to go and uh, it was nerve-wracking, but I did make some people laugh, and... It's funny because I think if I hadn't had those few people to laugh, I might not have ever come back on stage. You know, because it is scary. If you get up there and fail, it's going to make you not want to go back up there. Yeah. But my first three uh, my first three times on stage were good in the sense of I didn't bomb bomb, and then I ate shit for like six months consistently after that. It took it took a while before I was like comfortable on stage again. Yeah. But it made you stronger every time you went up on stage. Yeah, I mean, it's just like going to the gym. Not every workout's the best, but, you know, over time, you get stronger, you know, you get more tone. It's it's all reps. There's no, like, when comics say, I've been doing it this many years, I go, yeah, but how many, like, minutes on stage do you have? 
Yeah. The longer you can spend up there every night, the better you're just going to be because you're going to be comfortable. You're going to be wanting to try things out. You're going to want to talk in your voice. Yeah. Who are some of your uh, like comedy influences in stand up in the stand up world? Uh, I've always been a huge fan of Rodney Dangerfield. I uh, the first comedy album I ever bought was a cassette of his uh, "Son of No Respect." Him, Pryor, Carl. I mean, it's it's easy to go. Oh, I love all the greats, but I mean, but you know, it's when you're looking for uh, places of inspiration, start at the top. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I wasn't going to look at people that sucked. Um, you know, and it's funny, there's still comics that I work with today that are, you know, guys that are contemporaries with me. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you're great, man. I'll look up to you because I see what you do and, you know, I respect the shit out of it. Uh, Ronnie Dejafil was great. Yeah, he, I mean, he, you know, self-deprecating. He always looked sharp on stage, had the quick punchy jokes. And I always loved him for his movies, too. He was just a likable guy. When he yeah. walked up, you just wanted to be his friend. Yeah. One of uh, his best movies, I think, is Easy Money. We're all going to get laid, you know? Yeah. Him and, Joe, him, and, think, him and Joe Pesci. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. One of my favorites uh, is Back to School. Yeah, I think I, I think everybody likes that from the 80s. If you're an 80s you kid. You know, I mean... Well, it's funny because, like, the middle part, like, the first 20 minutes of that movie, uh, when he accidentally walks into a sorority house, I'm like, only a Ronnie Dangerfield movie would get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> God, I mean, uh, his biography, uh, I've read it, like, fucking 20 times. It's one of those, like, I, uh, it's one of those, like, go-to books, just, like, oh, I just want to thumb through and I can read any point. And on the first page, he said, I'm dying soon, and that sucks. Because it means no more Super Bowl, no more Chinese food, no more smoking pot. And like when I read that, I was like, "Oh my God, he's my grandpa!" <laughs> there you go. Like there was something like I, after reading his biography the first time, I realized there was a lot in common. And I was like, "Oh my God, that's yeah. you know." It's funny. It feels good to know that you share things in common with a person you idolize. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was. I I would put him in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, because he had his own style. He never wavered from it. He yeah. was an icon, you know. And also, what he did for com- those young comedy specials on HBO in the 80s, yeah. he made like 20 people's fucking career. Jerry Seinfeld, Dice Clay, Sam Kinison, Roseanne, Tom yeah. Arnold. All those people got to those shows and had careers the next day. Yeah. Yeah, he was like the you Johnny know? He was like the Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson started a lot of people's careers by putting him on The Tonight Show. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I love Carson. I just read his biography. He was a weird guy. Who, Johnny Carson? I mean, weirdness is like very cold fish. His mother fucked his skull up. In the book, it said when he uh, when he got the Tonight Show, when he got off of the Tonight Show, his mother goes, and I quote, I guess they know what they're doing. Wow. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your mom, but if my mom said that to me, I'd be fucking devastated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Do you wonder why you couldn't have a good relationship with a woman? Because the fucking main one is life ruined him. Yeah. Well, that I didn't know. I'm gonna have to like look for that book and read it. Yeah, it was written by his uh, his ex attorney. Oh. Um, and I mean, you know, it was just a lot of cool facts. Yeah. And yeah, he was a very reserved guy. I love watching. Uh, there's a great. If you get a chance, look up on Google. It's the Johnny Carson Lost episode. Okay. Where like Dean Martin shows up. Um, and I think someone else, and they're all just shit-faced on the show. 
when when was like, when was Dean Martin not oh. shit faced? No, I know, right? But it's funny because like Dean Martin shows up and like Bob Hope started going and they're drinking, and every so often the pan of the camera would cut to Johnny and he's like, "Can you guys behave? I work here. I gotta come back tomorrow." <laughs> that I believe. Yeah. That, yeah, that I believe. Yeah, it's just funny because they were all smoking and drinking and just cutting up, and then he's like, "Guys, I have a fucking show here. Can we can we compose this in some some way?" Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll have to look up that uh, the clip and watch it after we're done here. Oh, it's it's great because he's and he, you can tell it's the early the mid sixties because he's dressed like a weirdo. Oh, so yeah, like the flannel uh, suit. No, it wasn't a flannel suit. He had like a fucking uh, uh, scarf for a tie. It didn't make any sense. Uh, I'm sure he's not the one that picked it out, but you never know back then. You know, actually, he probably did because he had his own clothing line. Oh yeah, that's right, he did. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guarantee he never put anything on his body. He wasn't completely comfortable with having on his body. Uh, what, do you Woman think, or clothes. Do you think he dressed uh, Ed McMahon too? Uh, I don't, <laughs> maybe not. Did you ever see the episode where Ed's drunk? It's hilarious. I have not. Because he, he gets all emotional with Johnny. He's like, well, you don't even hear. Yeah. And then Johnny's like, do you need a cot? <laughs> do you need to lay down? You're not fooling anybody, bud. Wow. Yeah, I'm a huge uh, Carson fan, so yeah. I always like to watch all the documentaries and shows. Yeah. I used to be like that with, like, the whole, uh, I mean, you're probably around my age, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm 40. I don't know how old you are, but. Uh, uh, I'm I'm 18 to 25. There you go. And uh, <laughs> the whole late night wars between, you know, like, Letterman and Leno and, like, you know. I've seen the movie. I've seen the movie they made about that. Yeah, that was, yeah. And those were, like, fun. Was- those were fun to watch back then, them to go at it with each other. Oh, for sure. I mean, I always can, I mean, I like Jay, you know, but I always kind of had, like, I always had a preference for Letterman just because I always thought he was a little bit of a better, of a better comedian. Yeah, I was, a, I was more of a Letterman fan, and I kind of was, with, you know, I hoped that he was going to get the Tonight Show, but, you know, if you watched the movie and read the books, you, you, know, you know the yeah, whole story. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that. I think he was better at CBS. He did. Yeah, I don't think he would have fit the Tonight Show the way it was meant to be fit. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I thought, you know, I always thought the Tonight Show was a little more vanilla, a little more mainstream American. I thought Jay Leno was exactly that, and Letterman just had, was a little bit to the left, edgier, you know, a little, a little bit edgier. More... Yeah, but still fun. Yeah. What did you think of that whole when Conan took over the Tonight Show for like a year, or not even a year? That... Oh, that was a that was a clusterfuck and a half. Yeah. That didn't make any sense. And now he's on cable. Oh fuck on uh, TBS. Yeah, he's on TBS and he's got his, you know, Af- what is it called? The Conan? Yeah, Conan. Yeah, Conan. Yeah. Oof. But I mean, and I not, and, my head. So yeah, so what? Leno came back for a year, and then Jimmy, uh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon took over. Which, yeah. Which I think he's pretty good. He's funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely a funny guy on that show. He fits, I think he fits that role as well. You know, it's, when you have a host of the Tonight Show, you're looking for a specific type of comedian to, to host it. I think, I think we had the nail on the head with Jenny as well, yeah. you know? Yeah. My favorite was Joseph Kimmel. Yeah, I was just, I would bring that up next. Like, uh, you, uh, you appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel show. I've been on two sketches, yeah. Uh, I filmed one more for the Taylor made to air. They've used me for standing work. They've used me for background. They, that show's been very cool to me. Like yeah. in terms of just giving me daily paychecks when I when I need them. Yeah. Um, 
How was it uh, meeting Jimmy Kimmel? He's really one of the nicest guys. I swear to you. Like, I'm not saying that because, you know, someone could hear this and say it back to him. It's just, he's a really nice guy. Like, he came down and, like, I was just in a sketch. He, hadn't, he didn't have to talk to me at all. And he walked up and said hello and introduced himself and talked to everybody else that was, you know, actors that were in the sketch. And, you know, it's like, wow, you're a really sweet guy. You yeah. know, so, like, when people, like, try to trash, trash talk him, I'm like, that dude's got a pure heart. Leave him alone. What has he done for people to trash him? True. That's a very good point. You know, I guess people to get mad, I guess, lately he's been, you know, a little political. So I think he's always, you know, that always ruffles some feathers. Yeah. But other than that, you're right. I can't think of another time yeah. where someone's like, oh, you're a douchebag, because he hasn't been. He yeah. shows up, does his job, and does it well. Yeah. What, um, and you're also on Tosh.0. Tell us about that. Another sketch. Uh, another sketch. I got the game. Um, he did sketches at the beginning of the episode, like when they do a video. I was yeah. in one of the sketches. Yeah. Uh, I've met Daniel a few times. Uh, I also perform a regular at the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa, and he performs there a lot. So I've gotten to meet him, and I met him actually a few times before I did the show. And then when I did the show, he was like, oh, you know, he recognized, and he remembered me. Um, it's funny because he's from Titusville, Florida. Yeah. And nobody knows what a shithole the town that is. When he said it to me, I, I couldn't catch myself fast enough. I kind of went, ugh. <laughs> and what was his reaction when he, when he, heard, when he heard that? I mean, he just sounds like, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, I know, yeah, I know where you're from. I know what it is. Yeah. It's a shithole town that used to be something connected to Cocoa Beach, which used to be something because of the NASA program. Once NASA left the, uh, the east coast of Florida, that whole area fucking fell apart. Yeah. Um, so then you also did a, you were also on Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, I was on an episode of that. I was a patient that died. Uh, I got to work with Denzel Washington. That was cool. Yeah. He was the director of the episode. It's funny because uh, right before we got on the show, with the, when I got on the podcast with you, I show my wife your picture. I was like, because she watched, she's a huge fan of Grey's Anatomy. I'm not, I've never, actually, I've never watched it, so I can't say I'm not a fan, but. Oh, neither have I. When I when I went into work, I was like, so how long have you guys have two waitresses, or not excuse me, which is actresses, how long have they been on the show? And they're like, since the beginning. And I was like, I've never seen an episode. Yeah. So, so it's funny, because I said, I showed her your picture, and I was like, do you know him from Grey's Anatomy? She goes, no. And she's like, she, he was probably a patient that was in the hospital. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's basically, he yeah. talked to the character, doctor, nurse, or yeah. patient that dies, and I died. And how was it being on that show, meeting everybody else? It was great. I mean, the director was Denzel, like I said, and then the rest of the cast was, everybody was just nice and approachable. And I mean, I always make it a point to talk to people. Yeah. And I think it's cool when I like when I get to act on TV and I tell them I'm a stand-up, that, uh, no matter what their position on the show is, they kind of go, oh, that's really cool. And it brings an extra element of respect, I think. Because yeah. it's like, you're not just like a co-star actor, you're also a guy that can do stand-up. That's what impresses talent. So it always kind of um, gives me a little bit of extra cr uh, credence when I'm on set. And uh, you're filming a movie right now, too, aren't you? Sir? Aren't you in a movie right now, too? You were telling me a few weeks ago you were filming in a... Yeah, uh, that got, the, the shoot that got pushed out to early March. I just found that a couple days ago. Thanks for bringing that up. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I'm kidding. No, you're fine. I'm, fine. I'm just breaking balls, man. Um, yeah, it was supposed to shoot uh, mid-December, mid to late December, but because of the holidays and stuff and uh, people's schedules, 
it got pushed uh, to like the first week of March. Could you uh, talk about it all? What, like who it's with? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. It's called Fat Chance. Uh, I play a former child dancing prodigy uh, that over time gets disillusioned with dancing, gives up, and becomes a fat fast food employee. And the theater that I trained at as a youth uh, needs a fundraiser. I got to come back and dance one last time to do my special move, so the theater can get you know raise enough money to get saved. Yada yada yada. Is it supposed to get released like on at the movies, or is it supposed to be like a, to Netflix or something like that? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to probably be like a Netflix thing. Yeah, cool. Which is still, I mean, nowadays, I mean, shoot, Netflix has 60 million people, so it's like you get something on there and people watch it. It's just yeah. as good as a movie release. There's comedians I have filmed stand-ups, and Netflix will just pick it up and throw it on there. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, my goal is at, at the end of like next year, I want to film my own special. I want to like I'm saving. I want to produce it myself. I want to fund it myself. Yeah. Just because I want to have complete autonomous control over it, and then sell it to either Netflix or Hulu or whoever wants to buy it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's like the big thing now. Like, well, let's talk about your comedy album. You released one in 2014. Do you want to tell yep, us? The, the, do you want to tell? Yeah, us the, it was the, fun. The, and, uh, the process of that and the name of it. It's called White Trash Supercomputer. It's available on all platforms. You can listen to it for free on Spotify or Pandora. Um, or Rhapsody, but you can pay for it on Amazon, iTunes, all that shit. Um, I was in Jackson, Florida. It was at the club, and uh, I was working it, and I was packed crowd. And I was, they taped it, and I was more happy that I got a good DVD out of it. And then I had a buddy of mine that runs a uh, record label, and he reached out and said, hey, do you have any recordings? I was like, yeah, let me send you this DVD. And then he ripped the audio, and he listened and goes, this is an album. And because I do a lot of improv when I'm on stage, I like to kind of goof off and have fun. So I don't always do the same set. This was, the set was a complete kind of, you know, like from start to finish, it was all jokes for like 60 minutes. And he kind of got by, I think, like 55 after editing. And, you know, it was just, I, I kind of sent lightning to doing all the material one night. And I was just pretty proud of myself. So I had him release it and, I'm about maybe six months away from my next one. Okay. And that debuted in the top 10 on Amazon, right? Yeah, top 10 on Amazon, uh, top 25 uh, top twenty five on iTunes. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I was pretty happy with like how it did. You know, it's just, I'm just happy people want to listen to it. You yeah. know, that's. Yeah. At the end of the day, I just want people to think of what I'm putting out on the screen. Yeah, and that's the one thing about, like, you know, I'm, I'm a huge stand-up comedian fan, and I, and I tell people, you know, like, buy the album. You know, it's like, it's good to support the comedians, too, in a way. Yeah, and you get to, you know, and hey, let's say in two, two and a half years, I got a Netflix special. That album, you know, so cool to have it, you know, when I yeah. got his first album. Yeah. Which, I mean, the goal is to write, to finish writing my second album, and then take the best bits from the first two albums and create a special with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, way, there's a few comedians that have done that. Yeah, they'll, they'll combine two CDs into the best jokes. Yeah, and just punch the fuck out of that, you know, yeah. special. Um, who are, who are some, so, some of the comedians you've opened for? Uh, let me see. Like, is there anybody, like, like when you heard you are going to open for them, you were, like, excited? Fuck yeah, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, yeah. uh, Tommy Davidson, I'm really dicing in my head here, sorry, let me think, uh, Eric Griffin, I was really happy to open for uh, Eric Griffin, from, uh, uh, from like, Undercover Brother and shit, you remember him? Yep, oh yeah. Yeah, man, it was so funny, because I, I get to open for him, 
and uh, I did really well in the room was 95% uh, African-American. And I walked backstage after, you know, really having a really good set. And <laughs> I can't use the exact word he used. He goes, you ain't scared of them? And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I was just like, wow. I'm trying to cool. Sebastian was really fun to work with because he wasn't quite famous yet. Yeah. He was a name and he could draw, but he wasn't at his height. I bet he is now. I learned so much just watching him fucking work on stage. Also, guys like Christopher Titus. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I got to open for Ron White. He was great. Didn't get to meet him too much. It was very kind of, I just did my time and left. Um, but, yeah, he was really great. You know, just get a chance to work. And, like, being in L.A., I get to meet all kinds of cool people. Yeah. And luckily, luckily most people are cool. I'm very seldom I run into this guy. But I would label a dick. Yeah. Would um, how do you like living in L.A.? Dude, I love it. People shit on it, and I don't get it. It's yeah, it's busy, it's crowded, but fuck, so what? Yeah. Beats living in Des Moines. Yeah, I mean, I never been to L.A. or Des Moines, but if you gave me a choice, I probably would pick L.A. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 nothing against Des Moines. The people of Des Moines that hear this, please. There's nothing against you. It's yeah. just I was using it for. Yeah. You know, I, I love the heat. I got all my career opportunities. It's sunshine. Yeah. And it's cheaper than New York. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Way fucking cheap. Uh, the club was this weekend. There were some guys from New York, and I told them when I paid for rent, they're like, "Dude, that wouldn't even cover our approach." Yeah, I have a cousin lives out in New York, and I don't know. My brother was telling me that. Her rent is like, like outrageous, pretty much more than like a regular mortgage for a house. Dude, it's ridiculous. My buddy lives there, and he pays twenty three hundred for a two two bedroom. Twenty three hundred, bro. Get out of here. You could get a four bedroom house for that much. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, What are some of your favorite comedy clubs that you like to perform out in uh, California or in L.A.? Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa. That is my home club. Uh, so the harder clubs to get into in Los Angeles, uh, and you don't know who's going to show up, like celebrity wise, from like Gabriel Iglesias, you know, Tosh. I mean, just a you know a cavalcade of names that show up. Like the first time I got to perform there, I was hosting, and the lineup was me, Paul Reiser, Larry Miller, um, Orny Adams, and John Caparulo. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, this is just a lineup of killers. I think. If that was like, you know, if that was me, I'd be like creaming, creaming my pants for something like that. Dude, I, I mean, I, I walked in and stared, I stared at the, the lineup and was like, why am I here? Yeah. You know, and you the, guys need a gender. You know, in the comedy magic, they pay you well. They stick a you could copy your video. Most of the clips on my website you'll see is uh, me at the comedy magic club. Yeah. And the food there is just top notch. Yeah. And, um. The Comedy Magic, I think Jay Moore plays there a lot, too. Yeah, I got to open for Jay Moore just recently, about three, four months ago in Long Beach. Um, and he was super cool. He was flat, he flattered me. He was a super sweet guy. Yeah. He's the reason why I wanted to start a podcast. Really? Yeah. He was, yeah, because I, I used to be like just li- – I wouldn't get Fox Sports Radio. Remember when he was on Fox Sports? And I would have to, like, download just to listen to that and then – I found out he had more stories podcasts, so I started listening to that, and I'm like, and then when I saw him, and then I saw him do stand up, 
it was one of the best shows I've seen. He did, went, did he do the Tracy Morgan joke or the Tracy uh, Morgan story? Yeah, he, well, he always does Tracy Morgan. Yeah, but which which <laughs> one? Because he's got is it the pregnant one that he gets everybody pregnant? That story. Uh, okay, let's get pregnant. Yeah. That's fighting everybody. Yeah. I can't hit you, Jay Moore. Yeah. Took down the big man. I saw him do that live, and I was just howling. Because I'm reading his book right now, Grafton for Airtime. I want to get that. I heard it's really good. Yeah, a buddy of mine gave it to me. Yeah. And I started reading it, and I was like, this shit is fucking gold. Quick story on him. When I went to see him, I, I took my wife, and it was uh, his opening act didn't show up. So he went on stage, and he went over an hour. And it was I can like, imagine that guy going as long as he wants. He's not going to show up. Yeah. And uh, it was just, it was, it was, like I said, it was like one of the best. Like I've seen, you know, I've seen Jerry Seinfeld. I've seen Louis C.K. I've seen Dane Cook. Uh, you know, the, I can name a whole bunch of people, but like he had like one of the, Jay Moore had like one of the best shows. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, even Lucy, I mean, it sucks about what just happened with Louis C.K. a couple of days ago, but he is funny too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you get, you have to be able to separate the art from the artist, but it's, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to laugh at somebody that you know brought pain to some other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, no matter how funny you are, the amount of discomfort you brought other people outweighs it immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you see him bouncing back? Not for a good while. Yeah. I mean, if I was him, I'd fucking not put out a single thing for two or three years. Yeah. And then try to come back yeah. when people have kind of moved on and, you know, things are different. Because, I mean, if I was him, I'd start a fucking charity. I'd donate a ton of money. I would just show show as many different ways of showing contrition as possible. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, what are your buddies? Is uh, Jason Lawhead? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a good friend. I've been talking to him. We're supposed to set up a time for him to come on the podcast. Nice man. Well, tell him right when you come. Come on. Uh, we uh, we did Big Sky together, and the year that I won, and it was funny because we had our we met at the we, we he and I met at our connecting uh, the the uh, terminal for our connecting flight. And, you know, he smokes weed too, and I was like, yeah, I brought some edibles, and I pulled out this gallon uh, this freezer bag, you know, a gallon freezer bag, just full of edibles. And he's like, how did you get that through TSA? And I was like, confident, man. That's all you're going to need to fly with anything. It just don't look like you're flying with anything. Yeah. You know, I, I was bringing a ton of edibles just because I want to make friends at the festival. And that's the only way I know. Hell. <laughs> I know. And it, it's like, it's funny because they're like, give her a watch. Like his, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter and stuff like that, but he's like a huge Cleveland fan. And it's like. Oh, my God. 90% of his posts yeah. are related to sports in Ohio. Right. And he's still fucking, he's so funny. Yeah. So funny. I, uh, he's one of those guys, like, when he's on stage, I always make it for to walk out and watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I watched the video of you put, uh, sneaking your head through the curtain while he's talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do that a lot there. It's fun. I don't get to go in front of curtains very often. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I was going to say is, uh, oh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your, uh, the JPL headphone commercial. Oh, um, and you know what sucks about that? Uh, well, there's nothing, nothing that sucks, but 
That, ended up, that was almost going to be a Super Bowl commercial, which would have been a hefty-ass paycheck on top of what I've already gotten paid for it. And then the Patriots caused a stink, and they weren't allowed to use the commercial, which would have been fucking great, dude. Well, when I watched it, about- when I watched it last night, I was like, oh, my God, that is like a dig to... Tom Brady and the Deflategate. It's a straight dick. Yeah. Uh, when that, when and I'm a Patriots fan. I'm from Massachusetts. Oh, I mean, I, 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 when we were shooting this, I kept going, is this the Patriots? And they're like, no. And they're shaking their heads up and down. Yeah. No. Um, when, it, when they put it online, people were dogging me on Twitter. They were dogging the commercial on Twitter so much that every couple of comments, I'd be like, yeah, but that actor showed some real range, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I just kept like I kept trolling him back. Yeah, but I was only trolling for compliments. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, but I mean, that guy I thought showed real comedic timing. Yeah. Don't you agree?" It was, and like they would realize it was me and the thing, and I was like, "You guys can't shit talk me. I I made a paycheck." Yeah, I mean, it was. Did, did it ever get released? You know, it aired during football. I mean, that fucker paid Mike rent for a good couple of months. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It it, it aired enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, how did you get something like that? Did you just, your agent called you? To well, go- I, com- man, I had a commercial agent. I got an acting agent. I got a manager. Yeah. I got all the things, you know, and even when I, even when I with technology being so accessible to everybody, yeah. I, uh, I submit, I mean, I, you know, I record auditions in my hotel room half the time and just record and send them, send them in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you get the right commercial. I've had actors come on here, and they, they're they like, they get disappointed because, you know, they get cast, like, in TV shows, and they're like, but I want to do a commercial. Yeah, because the money's way better. Yeah. I've done, uh, I've been in three in two years, or two and a half years, and I've been commercial acting. Yeah. I've been in three, and, I mean, the money's great. What other commercials have you done? I did uh, one for a regional bank in Washington. I was just a customer. And then the other one was another regional was uh, Mike's Heart Lemonade. They got it aired online and in a few markets. Yeah. And I mean, I got buddies of mine that they, they book one a month. It's, yeah. you know, I have a specific type. So, like, if I go in for it, I have a really good chance of getting it. I will book it, but it's, it has to be the right type. Yeah. Do you, um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's some people that, that they rather just do commercials for acting. They rather just stick with that instead of like doing a TV show or a movie. Shit, I say if I got the time, let me do both. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah, man, I want to just keep. I like being creative. I like working. I like meeting new people, and those are all the criteria for being an actor in any way, shape, or form. Do you, um, you know, like you know, not every comedian is like this, but do you have like the energy like do you think you do you see yourself like writing a pilot or something for like a sitcom i mean i would like to i'm doing some one sheets which is like basically uh you come up with an idea some breakdowns and then i run a couple of one sheets for shows yeah uh and then but like i would have to take that one sheet and, and be given a reason to write it yeah the last thing that I do with comedians on the podcast, it's called the thing "What's Trending." And the one thing I wrote, down, oh yeah, yeah, the one thing that I wrote down today is "Citizen of the Year" from GQ is Colin Kaepernick. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think he's really I'm kind of It's definitely not going to go to Trump. So who else can we give it to? Um, no, I think I think that was an, I think that was appropriate because I mean it's GQ Man of the Year. It's not 
Nobel Peace Prize. It's not the Medal of Honor. It's a magazine cover man of the year. And the guy sacrificed his career to be vocal and outspoken about the injustices in his community. Yeah. I respect that. Do you? Because I don't know if, Go ahead. if I could do that. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I was given that situation where I had to pick between my comedy career and my morals. Yeah. Where I would, where I would choose. Do you, do you think he'll come back to the NFL someday? No. He's done. I think he's done because the NFL was a league of men, and men never want to admit when they're wrong. And I think hiring him admits there was there uh, admits there they were wrong. Yeah. Do you think he'll? And I think it's sad. I, I hope he sues the fuck out of the league. I hope he gets twenty million dollars, and I hope he spends it all on charity. Yeah. Just to tell them to go fuck themselves. Like I don't need your money. I'm going to help people. You know, because I, I, at the end of the day, man, it's how you help the world. Yeah. It's not. It's not. You know. I. You know. You always want your funeral to be bigger than your fucking your biggest achievement, because that way you know you went out like a person. Exactly. All right. So, uh, how can the listeners get a hold of you? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, you can go to my website, chriscocomedy.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at chriscocomedy or Instagram, which is at chriscocomedy. Good right. All right. Well, uh, you know, this was a blast. Thanks for coming on. Dude, thank you for having me. I always love coming on and chatting. It's always and, uh, you know, hope a you, good time. Man. Yeah. Hope, hope you come back on. Thanks so much for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Follow them on Twitter at the MCC Podcast. We'll catch you next time.